This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about the structured settlement industry from the experts in the know. Ringler Associates, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years and the only broker you need. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General Structured Settlements, Aviva, The Hartford, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Now, join Ringler Radio host, Larry Cohen. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Ringler Radio. I'm Larry Cohen, the head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations, and your host here on Ringler Radio. Well, in case you're a first-time listener, you should know that every Ringler Radio show can be downloaded from our website, ringlerassociates.com, or from the legaltalknetwork.com. Well, today we're coming to you from beautiful downtown Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, site of the 2008 AAJ, American Association of Justice, convention, where literally thousands of trial attorneys are gathered for their annual meeting, right here in the birthplace of American democracy and, of course, the beautiful cheesesteak, which I love. It's a wonderful uh, treat down here. And we're fortunate today to have as our guest the chair of the AAJ Women's Caucus. But first, let me introduce my colleague and co-host for the program, Gail Christian from the Ohio Office of Ringler Associates, covering Cincinnati and Columbus, Ohio, two of my favorite cities. Welcome, Gail. Thanks, Larry. Our guest today is attorney Rhonda Gail Davis, who has chaired the Women's Caucus at the AAJ for the term 2007 to 2008. She specializes in personal injury, legal and medical malpractice, nursing home, wrongful death litigation, and character and fitness actions. She has argued several cases before the Supreme Court of Ohio and also authors amicus briefs for the Ohio Association for Justice. She is active in elections and women's issues in Ohio, including work on John Kerry's campaign, Ohio Legal Counsel Team. She started her own firm in 2007, Rhonda G. Davis & Associates, LLC, located in Akron, Ohio. So, an entrepreneur, a trial lawyer, and a leader in the AHA. Welcome, Rhonda. It's nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Well, thank you, Ron. It's great to have you here. You know, I was intrigued uh, to hear that this all started back in 1977 when an informal group of five women trial lawyers assembled to talk about issues that affected them as women in law. Uh, it seems like the group quickly grew, and in 1979, the Women's Trial Lawyers Caucus was uh, established. Uh, Rhonda, why don't you talk about that journey and uh, the state of the caucus today? Well, it's really evolved. Uh, when those five women came to the um, AAJ conventions, or then it was ATLA, there were they actually met in a bathroom, and they talked How about uh, they they got in the bathroom. And they said, you know, this is very unusual. Where are the women? And so they made they made little decisions. And I know that Larry, you might not think they're big ones, but they decided to leave to gather together after every function, and they would leave together. Now, Gail, can you figure out why? Well, because women sometimes, you know, when a woman walks out with a group of men or whatever, maybe there would be a less than professional connotation. So to and to help each other out, you know, they would they would do little things like that. And then they started a huge campaign. They started going to all of the sections for the elections. And they used to call them, I'm trying to remember, it was like sort of the Angels Caucus. They'd walk in right before the elections. They would all nominate at least one woman. 
And then they would stay for the vote, and then they'd quickly go to another section, and then they would have another election. And they got almost one woman in every officer chair for the caucuses. I mean, it doesn't seem like that's a big thing now, but still, in some of the caucuses, we still have... You know, there are terms when there are no women in the chairs. But say they started they started doing things and they started saying, hey, we need our own education program. So it really has evolved. So I'm really the beneficiary and many of the other women that are here are beneficiaries of the bathroom discussions and the angel flights into those section elections. They were kind of revolutionary back then. Well, they are. And they're still, you know, they're still shaking the trees and screaming, you know, things still need to be done. Well, we've all known that a good deal of business was conducted in restrooms, and it's good to know that they were also being conducted in the women's restroom. Okay, as we know, the president of the AHA is a woman, now Kathleen Flynn Peterson. In fact, the AHA has had four women's presidents, excuse me. So clearly, women have taken an increasing leadership role in the organization. Do you think there are more women going into trial law today? Actually, the sad truth is we really think that there are not We had a speaker yesterday, uh, Professor Sherilyn Eiffel, and she's she's a professor at the University of Maryland School of Law. And she said, you know, whenever anybody walks into law school, they all want to be trial lawyers. They all want to do good. They want to change the world. They want to make sure that everything is better. They're concerned about the environment. But the overriding concern that just seems to take over and paralyze them is really the economics And if you look at the state right now of the hiring of plaintiff's law firms, there are not, there are very precious few that really get an opportunity to do what we do and love. So we've lost some of them. Now, Kathleen Flynn Peterson has just done a great job. I can't, I just cannot tell you how fantastic she's been. She's been such a role model for a lot of women. It's nice to see her up there. She does a great job at everything. And she just sponsored a women's leadership summit. So we got a lot of lot more women together, so we're hoping that we can go back to our communities and encourage more women to go into the trial. Well, I'm sure that wasn't held in the bathroom this time. It was in a much bigger no, place. No, no, although the bathrooms are bigger here, I think, than those <laughs> big uh, meetings back then. Well, Rhonda, what would you say, uh, and I know you touched on that just now, but what would you say are some of the overriding issues that are important to women trial lawyers today in a general sense? What are, what are the things that you as women trial lawyers are, are concerned about? You know, yeah, we find a lot of the women uh, that do trial practice have been very successful in drug mass tort litigation. The leader of the Ortho Ever litigation team was a woman. She's done a fantastic job. There have been lots of women involved in those areas. So there have been some very lucky women who've been able to focus in the areas to help other women. There are some uh, of the others that... They have some other issues. I mean, that that part of the practice is huge. You're you're never at home. You're you're traveling. You. I heard somebody say they they lived in Philadelphia, and then in their own home state, their courthouse had been renovated. It was renovated for four years, and they never saw it, so they didn't know. <laughs> so a lot of times, when you're in the uh, trial practice, you don't really you can't really do what you want to do with your own time. Sometimes your family suffers. I, I think men men find the same thing, too. If you're really going to be a very successful trial lawyer and help people and do the right thing, sometimes you don't get to dictate what time you get to do everything. Right. You know, do you think there are some unique issues for the woman as a trial attorney? I, I mean, the economics go across men or women. The um, travel issues can be common ones. Anything unique? 
Well, I think family. Unfortunately, you know, as much as we love Larry, there's probably <laughs> there's probably a lot of women who feel like they have to take care of the entire family, so they feel the pinch. And sometimes I think the travel demands on them really don't. They don't really work well in the family setting. We find a lot of our women actually leaving their firms to dictate their time, and they're starting their own firms. We did a little a little poll yesterday, and we said, out of the last five years, how many of you have had a significant change in the structure of your law firm or how you conduct your practice? And it was universal. And with a good portion of them starting their own law firm well, so that int- they could dictate their own time. That's interesting, Rhonda, because I was going to ask you about that. Uh, you're right. I mean, a lot of women are... Uh, seem to be thinking, rethinking the concept of being in these large firms, but to go out and start, you know, either in a small firm or to go out on your own, I mean, there must be a lot of trepidation, isn't there, uh, leaving that nest of, of the large firm to move on? Gosh, isn't there always? I mean, do you remember all the times when you leave your when you leave your mom and dad's house to go to college, and there's always those jump-offs. It's not like you're jumping off into an abyss, though, right. and unfortunately, and we had a huge portion of our education program yesterday to give some women some insights from women who left their firms. So we had one that left a male-dominated firm. How do you leave? You know, what are your ethics? So there are, there are some concerns. The cash flow startup costs are substantial. Now, just, to, you know, one of them said, you know, you should marry the computer guy because you will love <laughs> the computer guy because otherwise your bill is going to be so high you wish that you'd married him. Or you should marry the accountant. As long as he's on a Harley, then he's okay. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> So, you know, there are some there are some real issues with starting your own law firm. And uh, a lot of the women said you just be prepared not to have any money for one solid year and then count on maybe you might not have that much money the second year. So, you know, we gave a lot of advice. A lot of people passed around cards and said, hey, that happened to me, too. Let me help you. So that's what's great about the Women's Caucus. We can actually talk very frankly. Some of the people had more um, more uh, shocking stories. We didn't probably record those. <laughs> and they they still were talking about, uh, you know, sharing information. So don't let this happen to you. Cool. Do you think that the the stress or the pressure working your own firm is less than being part of the larger firm? No, I think it's different. You know, in big firms, they're all the politics. You know, who goes to lunch with whom? And, you know, in my office, I don't have to worry about who goes to lunch with whom. I know. It's me. <laughs> and so I, I have a, my paralegal and most of the women lawyers that I know, they have very small firms, maybe one or two associates or one or two other people, a paralegal, legal assistant. And they conduct their offices differently. They have, I mean, one or two of the law firms, whenever they have a very successful result in a case, they have a spa day. Oh. That's, you know, hey, you don't get that in a big firm now. That's true. So, but the big firm politics are really something that a lot of women would like to not argue over. Like, why did you, why did you have to come in today? Why do you have spittle on you (laughs) from the baby this morning? Why are you not dressing according to what we expect? So you can, you can dictate what you want your success to be. Very good. Okay, switching just a little bit. Um, do you think that women are better at mentoring than their male trial attorney counterparts? No, I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think we're necessarily better. I think we instinctively do it more. I think women will say, women will seek me out, and they will come to me and ask me questions at the convention. And I don't see as much of that with the men. 
And I, I know that other women are like that. And we actually promote that. We brought all the women leaders up at our brunch yesterday and said, look, if you want to know something, you go to any one of these women. They're going to come to your state. They're going to do whatever they need to do. Um, but I think that women also have to have men mentors. I don't think I don't think that a woman necessarily because she's a woman will have all the answers. So I think you need to find somebody who's really good that you think is really great. That's a man and a woman. You'll get different perspectives. That's well said, Rondo. Talk a little bit about the events here at the AAJ here in Philadelphia this week uh, involving the Women's Caucus. What have you What have you been doing? Oh gosh, we had Women's Power Weekend. I mean, wow. it was oh, great. Right. We had on Friday was the Women's Leadership Summit. And Kathleen Flynn Peterson had, that was really her dream. Before the end of the year, she wanted to have a way to bring women together and talk about some of the diversity issues. So we just had really a wonderful day. We had a speaker that talked about gender issues, sociological issues. Um, Gosh, I wish I could give you some of the examples right off the top of my head. She was just talking about the language of how women will rephrase things. For example, we always put things in terms of a question, but a man will say, I want blah, blah, blah. Right. And then the woman will go, well, I was thinking that maybe it would be a good idea. What do you think? Right. And so she was trying to teach us to change some of our language so that we can be perceived a little differently. We talked about fundraising. Women typically have not been recognized as great fundraisers, but two women in uh, our group are just absolutely fabulous at it. And so we had some information there. And then we had a panel, sort of the powerhouse of AAJ, Roxanne Barton-Conlin moderated it. And so we had a lot of women talking about their successes. So that was Friday. Saturday afternoon, we had so many women at the Women's Caucus Business Meeting. We had to bring in extra chairs. And our room was big. It was so great. (laughs) They were from all over. And then yesterday, we had our Women's Caucus Brunch. And yesterday afternoon was our Women's Caucus Education Program. So it really is. If you, want, if you want to have Women's Weekend, it was here. It's busy. You're very busy. You know, it's interesting you talked about the difference between how men and women speak their language that they use. My wife and I will be driving in the car, and, and she'll say, are you thirsty? And I'll say no, and I'll keep driving. What she really means is, I'm thirsty. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but I said, oh, I didn't know you were thirsty. You See, now you're going to have the teacher. She's just going to have to say, I'm th- I am thirsty, yeah, honey. Can Turn we stop? Pull over. <laughs> exactly. Right. Well, listen, time to take a very short break. When we return, we'll continue our interesting discussion with uh, Attorney Rhonda Davis, chair of the Women's Caucus here at the AAJ in Philadelphia. This is Ringler Radio, internet radio from Ringler Associates. Quite simply, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Experience counts. Over 130,000 cases structured. This is Ringler Radio, internet radio from Ringler Associates, placing more than $18 billion in structures over the past 30 years and one of the few companies that truly enjoys the trust of all parties in the settlement process. Did you know you can download Ringler Radio to your iPod? Just go to iTunes and subscribe to the Legal Talk Network. It's free. We invite you to listen to our other shows on the Legal Talk Network and become a member. It's free at www.legaltalknetwork.com. Did you know that Legal Talk Network shows are also available as CLE? Including Ringler Radio. Visit Law.com's CLE Center at www.clecenter.com. 
That's CLEcenter.com to enjoy listening and get CLE credit. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General Structured Settlements, Aviva, The Hartford, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. I'm your host, Larry Cohen, and I'd like to welcome back our special guest, Attorney Rhonda Davis, Chair of the Women's Caucus here at the AAJ. Along with my co-host, Gail Christian, we're discussing trial lawyers and some of the issues important to women who are trial lawyers. Rhonda, you run your own firm in Ohio, which is running your own small business. Let's talk a little bit about that, Uh, handling change in your practice, how to diversify your practice, how to change what you do, how to become more efficient, more use of technology, a couple of the issues that come to mind. Mm, Well, I decided really to take a good look at what I wanted to do. Sort of the epiphany, I think, that comes with start. Everybody knows the day that they decided to start their own practice. There is some event, and it has such a huge mark on what you want to do. I really had a sort of an evaluation. I looked at what cases I enjoyed, and then which ones that I did not enjoy as much. And I sort of dropped into my lap... I have a I have a sister who's mentally retarded and who has uh, developmental disabilities, and she was pretty much born with that. It's a birth injury, so I understand medical malpractice, all of those issues. And I decided that I would talk about that in my practice in the last few years. So every once in a while that comes up, and a family came to me and said, "You know, the Stark County MRDD is taking away all these programs from children." like their children and we were talking and they said, we know that you have a sister that has these same problems. Can you come down and can you just talk to us? So I I met with about a hundred families and I'll tell you that day had such an impact. They were all talking and complaining and they really didn't have the skills. And of course I've been involved in politics and organizing and grassroots and all of that. I just said, you know what? You guys got to do something about this. You have to do something more than talk to yourselves because that isn't doing anything. So that relationship really had me move part of my practice into working with disabled individuals and fighting for their rights to certain programs and services. A lot of it is pro bono, but I get so much enjoyment out of it. I have a leadership team. We just did a public records request to go through all their documents, which just shocked the crap out of the <laughs> agency. All trial lawyer skills are political skills, and that's been great. So I moved in that area. I have an outstanding paralegal that I found through an internship program, and I am so blessed. I'll yeah, tell you, there's a important. lot. There's a lot of people that aren't as aren't as lucky, and I got to know her, and so she's just been a real team member. And I now take her. That was not encouraged at my old firm. I take her with me to depositions. We go to court appearances. I literally, it's almost like the Thomas Vesper approach, what he was talking about this weekend. I go and I take her so that she sees how everything fits together. So I've made some changes in my practice. And I hate my computer. I really do hate my computer. Because if you if you can throw a motherboard out of that computer, I you know, it would have been done already. That's what I just spent my money on this last week before coming. It decided to break down. I think motherboard is a term of art. Maybe. I, don't know <laughs> I know there's is. a name. There's some sounds, reason, sounds, right? Sounds pretty wild. <laughs> what do you think named it in motherboard? <laughs> you know, I asked them about that, and and 
the gentleman who told me this, he said the reason they name it motherboard is because it shelters and takes care of all things. What a Isn't wonderful, that wonderful answer. I know. I thought that was great. And what he created it at, exactly. at that moment in time. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, Rhonda, you know, we were talking a little bit about the political realm, uh, and I know you helped John Kerry in Ohio. Uh, that whole area of tort reform has been bandied about in like a political football what impact do you feel that tort reform has had on uh, the numbers of women who uh, practice on behalf of plaintiffs these days? Well, tort reform, as you know, I, I, I've been the president of the Ohio Academy of Trial Lawyers, and we we got to see it full force. So it was like a big tidal wave that came through, and it just kept coming and kept coming, and it didn't, it didn't matter what area of the practice. So... Those that had said, oh, well, I practice in employment rights. My cases aren't affected. Or the people who said, oh, I do consumer cases. Oh, I'm not affected. By the end of the day, the areas where it affected a lot of women, it finally touched everything. So uh, the big bulk, for example, in Ohio, the big bulk of trial lawyers that are women that lead cases are employment, consumer protection, and some bad faith. And those areas, we pretty much are just getting wiped out. So right now in Ohio, the consumer protection area is gutted. You know, the maximum damages you can get is $5,000. Tell me what lawyer can do that. I don't care how wonderful that woman is, she's still not going to be able to do that. And if she wants to help people, she's going to have to restructure her practice. So our best, the probably the national expert on consumer protection is in Ohio. And I remember the day when they passed the law and we fought very hard. Our governor actually vetoed it. And we were in then in a Supreme Court fight again. And, you know, they cited on the side of tort reform. Well, what uh, what does your Supreme Court look like in terms of Republicans and Democrats? You know, there's seven zero seven zero Republican. Um, did you read the book uh, by John Grisham? The appeal? Yeah, I did. As a matter well, of fact. you know, I couldn't read it. I couldn't read it because it was so scary because it looked just like it. Justice Resnick, who is a, a dear, dear friend of mine and a dear friend of all trial lawyers in Ohio, she really, she would look very much like the justice that was in that. Wow. And so justice, when you're fighting for justice and you want to be on the Supreme Court, you better have an arsenal of money and it's tough. Again, that's very, very hard. Trial lawyers have traditionally supported pro-justice candidates, of course, on our Supreme Court. But when it gets to be $3 million for a seat, no. that's very, very hard. And this year we have two seats that are up and then we probably have the most important presidential election in our history. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, you know, frankly, people are having to make choices. It's tough. We just have a very, very tough, tough area there in Ohio. We'll hope it'll change. You know, it has, the tide has to turn sometime. Well, I think everyone would agree that in the field of law, the numbers are still dominated by men. There are still, in sheer numbers, far more men practicing law. Um, have you seen a change in terms of any gender bias? Do you think that there still is gender bias? Oh, sure. I, you know, I hate to say it, Larry, but there are. I have a, every once in a while I've had a problem with a judge. I had a particular judge that I went away to an AAJ lobby days. And while he was trying to give something to the state farm lawyer without letting me respond to the motion, I sort of found out from the female bailiff, she was a friend of mine. And I quickly wrote a motion. It was like two and a half pages. I was so impressed with myself. You know, I got it in. I got it in early. Walked in the next day. There he is. He's got it there. 
and it's the only thing on his desk. And as we were as we were talking, he said, "Well, do you want me to throw it away in front of you, or do you want me to tear it up?" And I said, "Well, as long as the court of appeals can have a copy in their file, judge, <laughs> I'm great. Just, just go ahead, do what you want to do." But he basically accused me of having a weekend in um, in Washington D.C. with the male partner in my firm. And I, you know, I thought, what do you do with this? He's done it in front of other people. So I just decided to calmly tell him, you know, judge, what? You know, act like I didn't hear it first. And Mm -hmm. then he repeated it. And so I said, okay, well, you know, gloves are off now. And so I just quietly said, judge, I've got three things to say. And I went, one, two, three. You know, and I went through and I said, you know, I'm a, I'm a professional person. Here's what I did. I was fighting for the rights of people on Capitol Hill. And I went through all of those things. And then I said, I think, with all due respect, Your Honor, you owe me an apology because what you said to me is disgusting and repugnant. And I don't think you would have said that to Mr. Hilkert, who's sitting here. So he got angry and uh, walked out and he was not very nice to me for a while and he also did some things in the courthouse to kind of make it hard for me but I went to another judge and he he asked me to call off the dogs off of this judge and I thought what did I do I walked uh, so I told him what happened you know he got up right then in my settlement conference and he walked over to the other judge and he told him that you can't treat women that way so you know it really kind of redeemed I here I was thinking that Frankly, all judges were alike at that point, but they, but it really worked out differently. And I realized that not all advocates for women are women. Exactly. So there, Good there, point. There are some, there are some issues still. Uh, you know, whether you wear a skirt in some courtrooms in the country is still a question. How it can be a question. How does your hair look? Um, what, uh, what kind of cases do you have? There are still, still some some judges that don't like women on construction cases, for example, because I don't think you can know very much about them. So, you know, it's it just depends. It's getting better. It's getting a lot better, frankly. But, you know, still there are some parts of the country that haven't caught up or some individuals who haven't caught up. Well, you know, it's interesting you should say that because uh, I've experienced it myself with female clients that I've taken to, especially down south, where, where the – you know, I think it's not a function – at least my experience, it's not a function so much of their their disdain for the woman. It's that it's their culture. You know, they 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 they're so used to having these put downs mm-hmm. that they don't even think about it when they say it anymore. And uh, that happened to one of my female clients in, in judges' chambers, where she got a a comment that was totally inappropriate. And if it had happened up in Boston, you know, there would have been fists flying, I guess. But uh, she had I, 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 in that environment. She took. I think she she used a little bit of humor to deflect it, and then uh, and then came out and said, "What the heck was that about?" But uh, I know it goes on, and it's. Uh, I lost yeah. a trial. My trial competition in law school. I was. I went to University of Mississippi, which had thirty percent women when everybody else had fifty percent, and we had even lower numbers of African Americans. Um, and when we did our trial competition, it was a tort case wow. involving baseball and the shortstop and the batter had had a fight earlier in the game. So at the end of this trial, I didn't realize my partner and I were the only female female team. I never thought about that. You know, I just picked the best person to be my partner. And we were against a guy who dressed in his Marine outfit and another guy who was dressed in something else. And, you know, I think he had the cross or something. I don't know. It was just bizarre. And at the end of it, we had a real judge. His name was Judge Lamb. 
I don't think he's living anymore, probably. But he said, little ladies, I got to tell you, you did a great job. And it was really close. It was 96 to 97. Wow. Oh, wow. and he said, now you would have won this case if we'd been talking about something that you understood more about. Now, if we've been talking about something that's not a man's game, baseball's a man's game. They understand things. This is a more serious tort. You know, so if you'd been talking about blow dryers blowing up in beauty salons, then you girls would have known so much more about that and you would have won the case. We're sure. And like you could hear the room go, oh my gosh. And especially the sponsors of the competition. But I truly did. I, I lost because it was the first time I'd ever been told I was a female. Oh right. my gosh! Yeah. Can't believe it. And in that, in that judge, and I'm sure he was an elderly gentleman. He was. He you know, was. You, you, you sense that that's just been his nature and the way he thinks about things. And he probably didn't even give it a lot of thought when he said it. That's, no, that's, I, but I decided not to shake his hand after. I thought, <laughs> you know, why not? I think that's reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> why should I do that? Well, for a man named Lamb, he wasn't cheapish, was he? No, was that's right. <laughs> Well, being a trial attorney, uh, we know takes some special skills, Rhonda. And let's talk about this a little bit, especially for some of the young lawyers who might be listening here. From your perspective, what makes one lawyer a better trial lawyer than another lawyer? What What are some of those unique skills that that the good lawyers have? That I think have? I think the people that do the best in our practice literally are the people who listen the best the very first time they meet their client. I love to talk to my clients. I learned so much about them. I love to go to their house. I love to have dinner with my clients at their house. And I like to see how they arrange their living room, how they operate. Mm-hmm. You know, and I always I always take paperwork and act like I'm busy doing stuff so they can continue to work. But I listen to them and I make my notes and I keep those. What do you learn from that? What do you learn from that looking at the way they operate in their homes? How, how does well, that you, help you? You see who really is close to the other person. You see how the injured person, um, their family starts to look a little different. Um, how somebody took on a role that's not the traditional role. You get to see when they sit down in their chair to watch TV that they have, they sit in a certain chair and it seems like they always go to that chair, that they, that they look tired. That, and usually there's conversation about what happened during the day so you can find out more information. I just, I love my clients. I, when I was in college though, I traveled around the country and I lived with families for about a week or so at a time because of the job that I had. So I always loved to watch how families operated. But I think if you can do that, that's great. And then you just have to carry all of that information through. You have to be technically proficient. But they can teach you to do that. And a good mentor can teach you how to draft interrogatories, how to do the motion and limiting, how to do your oral argument. But I think some of the skills like that, I think that's what sets people apart. Cool. Good point. And we've talked about mentors and mentoring. I can ask you, Rhonda, who would you say was your role model? You know, Roxanne Bartlin Conlon was great when I first started my office. There was, uh, well, when I first started as a trial lawyer, I was an antitrust lawyer before. Not much mentoring going on with that. But when I came to Ohio, he, uh, the gentleman I practiced with ended up giving me the Masters in Trial um, series. And Roxanne Barton Conlin did this wonderful presentation on it. And so that was really, really, I looked at that as something great. And then I picked up the phone and I called her. Good. And then you'd see her at all these things and how dynamic she is. Mm-hmm. So I would consider her as a role model. 
Very good. Thank you. Well, you know, Ron, it's been great having you here. We've talked about a lot of issues uh, during this discussion, which is good. We've been all over the all over the place, really. And uh, you're doing a lot here as chair of the Women's Caucus. Let's tell me one other thing, though, that I noticed that you're involved in, and that's this Lawyers Caucus newsletter. Uh, that you're involved in. Tell me a little bit about the newsletter. Oh, our newsletter is really we're something we're very, very proud of in the Women's Caucus. And we've tried to make it very substantive now. We've had information on confidentiality of settlement agreements. And then we try to make it sort of an empowering piece as well. So our newsletter really is one of the highlights. It's something that we know that goes to every single woman where they may not all get to come here and see our great programs. So we try to speak through that, and we have lots of people. We're focusing on the state women's caucuses, which is a big issue for me. I want to start more women's caucuses in all the different states. So we highlight what they do and highlight the different caucuses in our newsletter now, which is something new. Great. Well, right on that subject, um, if one of our listeners wanted to join the women's caucus or start a state chapter... How would that person go about doing that? They should call Gina Spear at AAJ. And I don't have the number with me, but it's gina.spear at justice.org. And you can go to our website and you can look. It's open to any woman, any man. We, sure. we, lo- we love men in I our can show caucus. My, I can yeah. show my feminine side. And, you know, it's, really it's great. And we, and we love to have men at all of our programs. If you want a state women's caucus, we're going to have bylaws and materials. We're speaking at Natalie on Tuesday so that we can help them get some women's caucuses established. Well, that's, that's awesome. Listen, Rhonda, I want to thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. This has been real fun. And Gail, it's been a pleasure having you as well. It's been wonderful. Thank you. Now, if someone wants to contact you, Rhonda, how do they get a hold of you? Well, I've got uh, a phone they can call. You know, thanks to opening my own office. It's 330-374-0700. Or they can email me at rhdavis3205 at netlink.net. Super. And Gail, how does someone get a hold of you? Well, they could get a hold of me at uh, 877-541-9388 or gchristen, C-H-R-I-S-T-E-N, at ringlerassociates.com. Be delighted to help with structured settlements or whatever. That's true. And you can reach all of our Ringler Associates at ringlerassociates.com where you can find uh, someone to help you out in whatever you have uh, that you're working on. So for all of you out there who are listening, thank you very much. I'm Larry Cohen, your host. Now go out and make it a great day. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. Ringler Associates, experience counts. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General Structured Settlements, Aviva, The Hartford, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential.